Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Um, we're going to start our service uh, with a reading. Uh, before we do, it is great to have you back. I believe that there may be hot cross buns after this. Is that right? Yeah. So don't need to rush off. Um, and it's going to be uh, quite a, uh, well, not an interactive service as such, but we're going to split it into different sections. So rather than a half hour talk, there'll be uh, a series of shorter talks. Uh, in amongst it. So do uh, listen in as we consider this together on this Good Friday morning. Let's start by reading from Luke's Gospel. And we're going to read together from Luke chapter 22, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 23, verses 44 to 49, which you'll find on page 749 of your church Bibles. Let's read together. He said to them, this is what I told you, while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. We're going to pray now, uh, and then after that I'm going to hand over to my dad. Father, we thank you so much for everything that you have given to us And we thank you in particular this morning that you sent your only begotten son to die on the cross in our place. Jesus, we thank you that you came willingly. You came because you love us and because you were prepared to do that which needed to be done in order to earn our salvation. Lord, we do not take this lightly. We recognise the cost of our freedom. And Lord, we recognise as well that we can't fully understand or comprehend the seriousness of that cost. We only see a limited amount of your suffering. We can only understand a certain amount of the sacrifice that you made. We know the truth of these things are far greater than we can comprehend. And yet, Lord, we know that this is true. And we know you did this for us and for your glory. And so this morning, as we consider again the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. May our hearts be humbled before you. May we be grateful for what you have done. And may we be filled with wonder and worship at such a great salvation that has been made available. And Lord, if there is anyone here who has not yet accepted that salvation for themselves, Lord, I pray that this morning, as you show them what you have done for them, they'd be filled with love for you and will respond with repentance and faith. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning, and uh, it is good that we can gather together in this way on this um, Good Friday. You might have noticed in the reading that Matthew uh, read to us, we have um, reference to, it's from Luke's Gospel, so it is from one of the Gospels. We also have reference from the Old Testament, because what we're about to look at this morning is something which was planned long before time. This was planned by God, and God revealed what would happen through the writings of the Old Testament. And then, when we come into the New Testament, 
we have eyewitness accounts. And then as we follow through the New Testament, we then come to the early church. And they were doing what we are doing this morning. Today it is a day for us to remember what is a, a horrific death. A death that reveals the evil intents of the hearts of men. Men who inflicted their hatred in such an inhuman way upon an innocent person. So a lot of people will probably not even think about Good Friday, but many people will ask the question, why do we call it Good Friday? Good question that, isn't it? It must seem very strange to, to some people. Good Friday. Why do we call it? What's good about Good Friday? And, and why is it that I am here now telling you what people said some hundred years ago about what would happen? They brought the word of God, the prophets, Isaiah, Zechariah, from the book of Deuteronomy, from the Psalms. They foretold the events of the day that we're going to remember this morning. Why? Because it's important. It's a horrific thing, but here's one of the important things, one of the important things we need to get hold of, and it's this. It's important because it tells us of the deep, deep love that God has for us. So this morning we're going to hear some things that God wants us to know about the good of Good Friday. And we're going to hear true facts. We're going to hear trusted words. We're going to look at what are tremendous realities. And I want to stress that. They are realities. And it is tremendous. And the first thing I want us to consider is the, the, the humility of Jesus. And we're going to do that as we look at some passages from the scripture. First of all, I want us to look at Luke 22. You need to turn to it, 14, verse 16. And what we're going to see here is this. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. This is the Last Supper. What's happening here is very, very personal. You see, Jesus' desire was to be with his closest and most faithful followers. We like to do that, don't we? Particularly, maybe when we've got problems, troubles, and bad times ahead. We like to have people around us, people we know, people we love, people we can trust. But this was to be more than just a time of fellowship. It was that. But it was going to be much more than that. There was something that those gathered together needed to know. And this was the, the last meal. Was the meal that they would have together before the death of Jesus. And they needed to remember this meal. You know, isn't it strange? We, we always remember the unexpected. You know, this is one of the, the ways to get somebody's attention. You've probably seen it. Uh, a street entertainer. I've seen them do it. They, they will do something which attracts attention. And what 
they are doing is the unexpected. I was in um, Paris one time, just sitting outside having a cup of coffee, and uh, this guy walked past and I watched him, and he lit a cigarette, as people do. Then he put another one in his mouth and lit that as well. And then he put another one in his mouth and lit that as well. Nobody expected that. And everybody was looking at him. And then he went into what he wanted people to see. For him, it was a bit of entertainment. But you know what I mean. They expected Jesus to break the bread. They expected to give him, think, give him, for him to give thanks for the bread. But they didn't expect him to say this. As he did it, he said, this is my body. And he didn't expect him to take the cup and say, this is my blood. Strange words. This is my body broken for you. He didn't expect that either. For them, why? What's happening? What's happening here? But it got their attention. Because they needed to remember this meal. Jesus took these simple everyday items to show them what was going to happen within a few hours. They've got to get a hold of this. They've got to have something that will make them regularly call it to mind everyday items. And they see the bread, they see the cup. And even when they're having a meal, an ordinary meal, they will think about that last meal. You know, you can probably look back at meals you've had with family. And things remind you of that time, doesn't it? You know, you might get the same uh, dish that, that you had on that occasion. You go, oh, I remember when we were together and we did this. Simple items. And the most important thing that they would need to remember about Jesus was that he died. And that he died for them. That's it. Remember that he died and he died for them. He hasn't died yet. Luke 2 verse 19 to 20 And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper he took the cup saying This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. They're going to see it. There was one there amongst them at that meal. One who would betray him, Judas Iscariot. You know, we said about these things were written before they happened so that people would know and understand what was happening here. And so Psalm 41 verse 9, just listen to these words, even my close friends, Steve, my close friend, someone I trust, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. Good Friday. Jesus is showing us the love that he has, a love that extends to those who hate him. And in this we see something of his humanity. We see something of his humbleness. He'd already humbled himself before his disciples before on one particular occasion which will stick in their minds is when he washed their feet. And now 
He's going to die for that. We're going to move now. And you're going to come with me. You don't have to leave your seat. But in your mind, I want you to get up. I want us to go out. It's not a sunny day. It's a starry night. And we're going to go to the garden. We're going to go to the garden of Gethsemane. But before we do, we're going to have a reading. And our first reading that I gave out is today. Just stand up and read for us, Derek. Just stay there and just read the words, yeah. And listen to these words. We're together. You know, we're, we're gathered together here, and it's good. It's Matthew 26 to 38. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. While we're in the garden, we're going to sing. And we're going to sing hymn number 458. So let's stand together as we sing. 458, Man of Sorrows, what a name.
as they, as they walked to the garden, the disciples would have noticed a change in his demeanor. He was now sorrowful and troubled. And this showed they could see it. He knew what was ahead of him. But they didn't. They had no idea. They'd been told, but they, they didn't know. And Jesus shared with them how he was feeling. This is, this is very personal. This is very emotional. He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And when Jesus said this, probably all the disciples had the same thought in mind. Probably looked at each other. What does he mean? Is that a, a meal? It, it's supposed to be a really great meal. It was a great meal, but it was different. It's Passover time. And now we've gone to the garden. Ah, this is good. It's a nice stroll after that meal. And, but he's troubled. They probably nudged each other before that, saying, is he okay? And then when he told them, they probably thought, what, what, why? It's Passover. It, it's a good time. Jerusalem's full of people. This is Jesus. This is the one who a week before was hailed king. What, what, what's happening? You see, at this point, they, they didn't see Jesus the, the, as the prophets did. You see, God had told the prophets what it would be like, but they didn't see him like this. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And when Jesus said this, as I say, they, they were confused. They didn't see him as the man, man of sorrows. The man who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. They didn't see him as being that person. His disciples knew that he had come to save. They didn't believe that he would need to die in order to do this. We know that as we go through the, 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 the Gospels up to this point. They are still confused. They still don't want to uh, grasp the fact that he's told them that he will die. In the garden, Jesus prayed. We can read those prayers. And amongst those prayers, you know, very stressful and unimaginable points of agony he said my father if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it then may your will be done we're going to see how there were those who hated him and we're going to have a reading now and Enid is, Enid is going to read it to us. <coughs> John chapter 18, verse 12. Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Luke 22, verse 54. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter 
followed at a distance. We've moved from the garden. There was a kerfuffle. He was arrested and we scattered. Caiaphas, the high priest, he was hated by the religious leaders. We're going to sing another hymn, it's 402, led like a lamb to the slaughter. Because this is what's happening. You know, it was like in that very point when he was arrested, that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. When you say led, it doesn't really mean he was dragged away. He went willingly. In 402, led like a lamb to the slaughter.
Caiaphas. You know, when Caiaphas said that it would be good if one man died for the people, he meant that it would be good for the people if they got rid of Jesus and killed him. <laughs> they didn't want anything to do with him. They saw him as being in opposition to their self-fulfilled way of life. You see, Jesus told the truth. And the people were beginning to believe him, and they didn't like that. They would do religion their way, not God's way. Times don't change, do they? We'll do it our way, not God's way. Why? Because it benefits us and not God. And the truth is that is absolutely no benefit to them in the eyes of God. The good of Good Friday is that Jesus died and he died so that people could be free from their sins. So he did die for the people. But not in the way that Caiaphas wanted him to die. Because we've just sung, he's alive, he's alive. And that's why we can gather together this morning. That's why we can do this with, yes, sadness, but joy in our hearts. And you know, it wasn't just the religious leaders who hated him. It was the political leaders who hated him. <laughs> Times don't change, do they? Pilate, in Mark's Gospel, very early in the morning, the chief priest with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans so they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. See, Israel was a, an occupied land, it was an occupied country. The Jews had no authority to pass the death sentence, but Pilate could. He was a Roman. He was the Roman governor of the whole of Judea. So this is why the Jewish leaders took Jesus to Pilate to be sentenced to death. And Pilate saw this as being, get this, and this is a phrase I'm going to use, but it, it fits. For him, this was a hot potato. He didn't really want to get involved. He washed his hands of it. Literally, that's where we get the saying from. You know when we say he's washed his hands of it, it comes from this incident when Pilate literally washed his hands. And when he found out that Herod was in Jerusalem, he came up with what he saw as being an easy way out. It's a politician. Pass on the problem. And he passed it on to Herod. You see, Herod, he was also in Jerusalem. We're going to have a reading now. And this reading is from Luke 23, verse 6 through 10. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod. He was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law 
standing there, vehemently accusing him. We're going to sing another hymn. We're going to sing 795. You may decide, Your Majesty. You can remain seated with this one. And then we'll sing it together. 795. said, foretold by the prophets. This is what Isaiah said. It's a well-known passage at this, particularly this time of year, Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Herod was governor of Galilee, a lesser position than Pilate. Galilee was a province of Judea. And Jesus was from Galilee. And as soon as Pilate heard this, he thought, right, I can get rid of this. Instead of this being a national issue, I'll give it and deal with it as a local issue by sending Jesus to Herod. Herod was there. He had a palace there. And he was there in Jerusalem for the Passover. You know, Pilate washed his hands of Jesus. Herod wanted to be entertained. He wanted Jesus to do tricks for him. Perform miracles. You know, Pilate did what the Americans would tell us he did. He passed the book. Oh, sorry, Herod. He passed the book and he sent Jesus back to Pilate. And in this we see the humiliation of Jesus. 
This is Jesus, God's Son. He was humiliated by those He had created. Gave him Luke and Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him, dressed him in an elegant robe, and they sent him back to Pilate. And that day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Isaiah 50, verse 6. This is speaking of Jesus. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I didn't hide my face from mocking and spitting. I think spitting is one of the most awful things anyone can do to another person because it degrades them completely without actually hurting them physically. He was hurt physically, hurt very badly. What do we see here? We see what we see today. We see religion and state joined together in opposition to God's plan of redemption. That's what it is. It's still happening. And the prophets told us it would. And not only the prophets, but the writers of the New Testament, not only them, but Jesus himself. The religious leaders didn't want to understand, you know, what we call that? Rejection. They knew they had the facts, they had the information, but they just didn't want to understand it. And the political leaders, they didn't even try to understand it. You know what that's called? Apathy. I keep saying it, but it's true. Times don't change, do they? Rejection. Apathy. Where are all the people of Liverpool? A lot will be in churches, which is great, providing they are there because they know that Jesus died for them. And there's a lot of people, a lot more people who are Liverpool who just don't want to know. They're just apathetic. Oh, it's Good Friday. Stay off. Jesus was sentenced to be crucified, Luke 23, verse 25. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified. And their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison, this is Barabbas, for insurrection and murder. And the one they asked for and, and surrendered Jesus to their will. It's nothing new, is it? Loud shouts and demands that can turn a group of people into a hostile crowd. Very often it's the minority who are getting their way. But they are using their position, they are using people to their advantage. And Jesus was exchanged for a murderer. There's a question. What do we exchange Jesus for today? Trip to the supermarket, a couple more Easter eggs, day off work. Just thought. You know, in the words of Joshua in chapter 24, in Joshua 24, he challenged the nation of Israel as they were about to enter the promised land, and the nation of Israel has been challenged again. 
and we can take the words that Joshua used when he spoke to the people and we can apply them today into this situation. What did he say to the nation? He said to them, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. That's the choice. God or mammon. But he went on to say this, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's what this morning is about. Another opportunity for sinners to turn to Jesus. Why? Because he loves them. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. That was the words from way back in Isaiah. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great. That will happen. Hasn't happened yet. In this it will happen after his resurrection. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, the two criminals. For he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. You know, these two transgressors, these two sin, uh, uh, criminals, they're both sinners, but there was a choice and even at that point, the point of death, they had a choice to make. One chose apathy and rejection. The other chose acceptance. That's, that's the choice that the cross offers. Why do we need to remember the death of Jesus? You see, Jesus died for those who hated him, those who betrayed him, those who lied about him, those who arrested him, those who persecuted him, those who beat him those who rejected him, those who showed nothing but hatred and apathy towards him. But it didn't stop him loving them, just as he loves you and me. And we, like them, also need his forgiveness. None of us are perfect. We've all offended God. We offend God every day by our actions, by who we are. Sinful nature. Paul tells us that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Why? Because we've all sinned. That is a truth. You can't deny that truth. This is what Peter said in Peter 3 verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous, that's who he was. For the unrighteous, that's you and me. Why? To bring you to God. And he is put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. The good of Good Friday is that Jesus died. And that he died for sinners, including the disciples. That's why he said to them, I do this for you. My broken body and my shed blood. You are my close friends, but you need me. And they accepted. We know that as we go through the rest of the New Testament and the Gospel writers. But one rejected. And we know that as well. The choice was there. We're going to have our closing hymn. And it's number 55. 
And it's called Beneath the Cross of Jesus. And I want you to think about the words as we sing them. And uh, here's one of the, the verses from it. Now, and let this be our prayer. I take or cross thy shadow from my abiding place. I ask no other sunshine than the sunshine of his face. Content to let the world go by, to know no gain or loss, my sinful self, my only shame, and this is it, my glory or the cross. Let's stand and sing this final hymn together. Hymn 55. for a moment in the quietness of these moments and let's just quietly bring our thoughts before the Lord. Grace and peace.
to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God the Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Now there will be um, tea, coffee and hot cross buns. I think the ladies are going to sort it out for us. I see the trolley is there at the back. And I'd just like to say um, thank you to Eva and Mikey because we didn't have any choruses today. But it's great to have you here. It's great to see you. It's great to share with you. Thank you for being so well behaved. And um, I think we should just give you two a little round of applause. Uh, feel free, tea, coffee, and as I say, hot cross buns. Uh, you can stand up, you can talk, you can go to your seat, you can sit round, um, however you feel. And uh, I, I will make a concession here, I'll let you take your mask off to drink your coffee. <laughs> Thank you to see you. Thank you.